0: Welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. We are here to help and encourage you to enjoy your adventure with Jesus. I'm your host, Kevin Senapati Ratna. Let the journey begin. Welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast, episode number 108. Yes, 108. Uh, That seems like a lot. Uh, How do you get to episode 108? As the old saying goes, one episode at a time, Uh, which is a good uh, place to talk about what we're going to be talking about today. It's a book called Growing Slow, and uh, sometimes things feel like they're growing slow, and sometimes that's okay. Uh, That's uh, not a bad thing, and so we'll get into that in just a moment. Uh, Before that, if you are new to the Christ Connection family, come on over and check us out at ChristConnection.cc. Again, that's ChristConnection.cc. And while you're there, put in your name and your email address so that we can keep you up to date on all that is happening uh, because we exist to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And so uh, we want you to... uh, We'll send out emails and stuff to help you with that. Again, that's ChristConnection.cc and check out the resources we have for you. Uh, But let's get to today's conversation without any further ado. So, my conversation with Jennifer Dukes Lee. My guest today is Jennifer Dukes Lee, and she lives on the fifth generation Lee farm in Iowa. where she and her husband are raising crops, pigs, and two beautiful humans. Uh, She writes books, loves queso, and enjoys singing too loudly to songs with great harmony. Once upon a time, she did not believe in Jesus. Now he's her CEO. Uh, uh, Find Jennifer at JenniferDukesLee.com and on Instagram at JenniferDukesLee. Jennifer, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, this is so great. I'm waving to you from the state south of you (laughs) that's
0: right we're we're closer than most of my guests so we can just kind of wave sort of (laughs) across the border all right and i have to go down there from time to time i'm guessing you come up this direction as well
1: that's right yeah not only am i a book author but i actually work for bethany house publishers which is based in the twin cities
0: i'm very familiar with them so they're, they're not too far from here now, I always like to start off the conversation somewhere random. Uh, and you, in your bio, on your website, had random just all over the place for me. So this this I love. Uh, you say at one point you were a mime. Now, is this true? And what's the story behind it?
1: This is a true story. And it's like one of those things that it's like, I actually admit that. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, when I was in the in high school in the 80s, and uh, we had a very active speech department and um, one of the competitions was uh for mime individual and group mime and i did mime all four years so we had to wear all black and we had to put this really pasty white stuff on our face and it was very uncomfortable Um, and uh but we we went on and won a lot of different competitions And then when I was in college, they had some talent shows at Iowa State University and a friend of mine who was also a mime, we entered these competitions and we did really well. Now, my career as a mime has sadly ended long ago.
0: What? Is it like riding a bike? You could pick it up at any moment, though. That's right.
1: I, but Kevin, I promise not to start miming now, otherwise it will be a very <laughs> one-sided conversation for your guests. Today.
0: Yes, uh, this is an audio podcast, so I guess we. <laughs> <laughs> now another random question: uh, You say that you're a lover of dark chocolate, so we have this in common, uh, and so I'm always on the lookout for new. Uh, kinds and types. Do you have any favorite dark chocolates that you like?
1: All of them. I seriously, <laughs> I love dark chocolate, and it's so funny because when I was a kid, I hated it. Like, mom would get those little bags of little tiny candy bars. You know, there was Hershey's and Mr. Goodbar and Crackle and all those little miniature ones, and I would always be like, "Oh, I hate the dark chocolate," but now I love it. And there was at Costco this dark chocolate that I can't even remember the name of anymore, but they don't carry it anymore. And so that was my favorite dark chocolate. But honestly, even just like those little Hershey Kiss dark chocolate, just like that tiny little bit every day, just one of those a day just makes me happy. How about you? Do you have a certain kind you like?
0: Actually, those Hershey's dark chocolate are, I'll, I'll get a now this is probably too much confession here, but I get one of those big boxes and then I'll do like three little squares after dinner. That's my, uh, That's great. it t- takes a while to get through the big, huge box there, but it, <laughs> it works.
1: That's right. That's good stuff.
0: All right. Well, I, wait. The new book that we're talking about is "Growing Slow: Lessons on Unhurrying Your Heart" from an accidental farm girl. Uh, first of all, let me say I loved the book. Uh, it was uh, a great read. I have uh, way more questions than we'll ever have time for, so you know, that's uh, that's always a good sign, right? <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> all right. But we'll dive in and see what we can cover here. Uh, First of all, you say uh, here's what I learned: in, in the scramble to grow a purposeful life, we accidentally forfeit too much—a a settledness with what we already have, a sense of peace with what we already what already is, and a connectedness with the people right there with us. Uh, in a world that really pushes us to live a purposeful life, and you know that's kind of the thing. How do we balance that idea alongside of growing slow?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. Because the last thing I would want to do with this book is get people to slow down to the point that they don't go after their dreams and that they don't seek life of meaning and purpose. But what has happened in our culture over time is that we have become a culture that's about hustle, about pushing hard and scaling higher and faster. And um, defining success by how quickly we can build something up and that it's all about the outputs that you can measure and the metrics. But what I am encouraging people to do as they they pursue meaning and purpose in their lives is to focus at least as much, if not more on what is growing down underneath. And it's deep rooted growth and that's what works for us on the farm and that's where I've learned these lessons is by observing the growing season of corn and soybeans on our fifth generation farm. And a fifth generation family farm is a sustainable business. It's a business that put down deep roots. This, uh, And I say roots here in Iowa. I don't know how you say it up in Minnesota. <laughs> I say root like some people say roots like boots. But anyway, um, we put down deep roots. <laughs> And in fact, in August, we're going to the Iowa State Fair and we're being awarded with a heritage farm award because we're a 150 year old farm. Wow. And that is deep rooted growth. Something that lasts over time, not a flash in the pan, not something that goes viral. It's something that is tended and grown over the course of years. And my encouragement to people as they consider their own lives and meaning and what purpose is to think about the big picture, thinking even about the things that will outlive us and what we are planting into people and into, and into businesses and into relationships and how that helps this world become a better place moving forward.
0: I I love the farm analogy. I mean, because I'm nowhere near a farmer or the son of a farmer or even you know. I think there's. uh, I suppose probably if you go far enough back, everyone uh, has some farmer somewhere. But but that idea of planting seeds and letting things grow uh, is a challenge in our day uh, for sure. you talk about, so just trying to drill down a little bit on that. Uh, you talk about the pressure with growing slow with your book platform. Just a practical example. You're trying to build You build a ministry of selling books, and so you have to do that. And so I was thinking about that relationship to me, like with building a podcast. You need a certain level of audience to have, you know, Jennifer Dukes-Lee on your show. Uh, so if you're trying to uh, balance that, how do you... How how do you how do you practically work that out for yourself with the push and the hustle and not going slow growing slow?
1: Right. I totally get it, Kevin. And I think that podcasters are in the same boat as authors because we're doing this because we want to bless people. And it can feel like, you know, if if you don't have a lot of listeners or if you don't have a lot of book sales, you could start to question whether what you're putting out into the world is worthwhile. And um again, that just puts all of the emphasis on outputs and metrics instead of the deep-rooted growth that we're called to. And so one thing that I remember is um, that when I started writing Growing Slow, I was actually thinking about the things that I am planting, like in my businesses and in my relationships, like the growth that I want to see in the fields that I am planting. But I came across a verse in one of paul's letter to the corinthians and he says these words you are god's field and that was a game changer for me because it reminded me that as much as i'm putting seeds into my books and my ministry that i am god's field that god is planting seeds into me and that he wants fruit to grow inside of this person inside of this human being to grow and become the kind of person that he created me to be that isn't measurable by book sales. And so I show up at the page, Kevin, every day. And sometimes that page is a Facebook post. And sometimes it's an Instagram post. I love short form essays on Instagram and I honestly hand to the sky. I pay very little attention to how many likes I get or, um, you know, how how my book is doing in sales. I mean, I see those numbers and that's fine, but it doesn't define me. And I just keep showing up and keep encouraging people and keep uh, spreading the the good news and the messages that God has laid on my heart. And I leave it at that. I, you know, it says in scripture that we plant the seeds, but it's God who makes things grow. And um, the the whole of scripture is a slow growing journey and it's it teaches us that that the best things are grown slowly the things that we care about the most are grown slowly and that includes podcasts and books
0: <laughs> no that's that's very true and it's a important thing for us all i mean no matter what season of life we're in to understand that we are god's field because we're a we're often looking at the outcome and God may be looking at the inside of what he's trying to do inside us more importantly. And uh, I I need that reminder a lot. (laughs) Yes, me
1: too, Kevin. It was such, it was such a game changer for me. And it's wild. Like, you know, maybe you've had this too, like you're on a podcast with somebody and you just have an epiphany about something. And that was the way it was when writing the book. I didn't go in thinking about me being God's field It was in the research of, of, you know, writing that book and digging into the scriptures where I learned something about something new about God and exciting about God and how he tends me and he has me. But the field of Jennifer Dukesley is right where Jennifer is supposed to be. And God is planting seeds into me. And he's earth's first farmer tends to this field that makes me, me. And it can be tempting to look out at other people's fields and see like, there's more growth in that field or the grass is greener on the other side of the fence so to speak but um i i have really gained a renewed sense of peace and a freedom knowing that god loves me enough to plant good things into me
0: hey we're so often I well i picked up from the book uh, that if you were taking one of those tests probably achiever was as high on your uh, yes. list and and that's you know when i took strength finders i think achiever was number 1 on the list and so for people like you and me it's it's an extra uh probably grace we need to to pull back cuz we want to do something for god we want to achieve what god wants us to but understanding that that He wants to do stuff in us too.
1: That's exactly right. I think achieving people really struggle with slowing down. It used to annoy me to no end when people say, Jennifer, you just need to slow down. And I just want to say, you want to come a little bit closer to me and say that? (laughs) (laughs) You don't know what I got on my plate. You don't know all that I've got to do. The really cool thing is that even in this growing slow journey, I am actually more productive now because i have slowed systems down and i'm taking my time and i enjoy my life more. at the end of the day i don't just think wow i was sure busy but i wasn't very productive and i show up at my work the next day energized and ready to go again. and so it seems so countercultural and backwards that slowing down actually helps you get th- more things done but i was living growing fast. I, that's the book that what i could have more easily written as well. <laughs> but that was not working for me and it actually landed me in the in a doctor's office with all these physical problems because my body was shutting down from all of the stress and what's called hurry sickness it's an actual trauma on my body and and on a lot of people's body and we're anxious and tired and insomnia and gut problems and you name it all sorts of things are related to that sickness
0: okay that's probably a pretty chronic sickness in our in our age Uh, and and in part of this process you talk about building fences which is one of my favorite chapters in the book Uh, and to determine what's your responsibility and what's not your responsibility Uh, and again i'm trying to sit in that balance section because your book's so good at pulling us to the the slow side, which is what we all need. Uh, but because of our culture, we're probably going so uh how do you how do we know when to build a fence and when we need to expand our territory? Does that make sense? When yeah,
1: so- it does. And it's so, you know, it's like this philosophy that I can describe in a book, but it's so hard to nail down for each individual person because you know, our fence lines are all so very different. But there's different kind of fences that we need in the same way that we need a good fence to keep somebody's pig out of my yard which is the opening story in that chapter that you're talking about and it's why we have fenced in backyards to keep our children or pets corralled um, we need boundaries as fences in our lives to say this is territory that is worth protecting um, not to tor- you know to just shut ourselves off from the world but to protect the good things that we're growing right now, in the here and now. And so boundaries and fences are good for protection, but also boundaries and fences are good to appreciate the growth that is happening right where you are. I think the temptation is to push out the fences and um, expand, expand, expand. And that's not always a good thing. You know, um, I think a lot of churches are so interested in expanding and growing that they are forgetting um, the value of what they what has already been, been built. Like building something for the sake of being bigger is not a good goal generally. Um, there, I think that we just have to constantly um, analyze our goals and prayerfully consider growth. Like where, where does God want us to stretch out those boundaries and move out fences? And where does he want us to maybe even tighten them, tighten up those fences and focus on a few things that are that are most important to him? Because I think a lot of people have really wide fences and are trying to do and accomplish so many things that they are worn out and wiped out. And it is healthy to have good fences, both to protect your fields, so to speak, but also to really Zero in on your purpose and what's most important to God.
0: And and what you what you've described so far, I, I just as you were talking, I was thinking, it's that that leaning into what God is saying to you specifically. It's not your story doesn't have to be someone else's story. Uh, your your story is unique. Your story. Uh, you you even touch on that and the idea that uh, there are no set milestones in life. Uh, which we all think there are probably, but now <laughs> <Right. laughs> uh, 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 as a farm, farmer's wife, uh, you, you say, you simply can't put down roots quickly. And you also say in a different place, day to day, the growth is nearly imperceptible. Uh, when when you're in that tension of that moment, uh, and maybe you can just speak from a, you know, looking at the farm, but in general, in life, uh, How do you know if you're on the right track, if you don't see any results?
1: It's so hard. I think that, you know, for farmers, we're, we're faithful to the process and it has taught us so much about God's sovereignty and his faithfulness year over year that we continue to put these millions, literally millions of seeds into the soil. And it can be, it could be, days or even a couple weeks before we see anything coming up from that ground. Um, But there is work happening under the soil in places that we cannot see a seed. a Hard coated seed is breaking open underneath. And this spring, Scott and I got on the gator and drove around to some fields, seeing if there has been any growth and we couldn't even see it from the road. But we went and walked in to the field. And here we were just this tiny little, less than a centimeter bit of growth. And we're like, there it is. And it was such a beautiful thing and such a beautiful metaphor for whatever we're growing. And the fact is sometimes we plant seeds and and things don't grow. And it doesn't take away from the fact that we were obedient to the planting. And the growth really is up to God. And um, I think that if we wait, we will see some kind of growth that comes from the fields that we have planted, as long as they were planted in obedience to what God has called us to. Um, But often the growth doesn't come as quickly as we would like, right? So... You know, we want our children to, if we're a parent, to achieve certain milestones, there we go again, by a certain age, or we want to see a certain kind of progress in our marriages. If we're married, we want to see a certain kind of growth in our finances or our businesses. And day, day after day, that growth is sometimes nearly imperceptible in the same way that if I go out in the morning and look at the fields outside of our house, and i go out the next morning the crops can look exactly the same but if i reflect back over weeks or months it's it's a huge difference just absolutely huge and so i think taking time to, to reflect back on how we've grown over seasons instead of you know short term looking at the short term all the time
0: so so on the, the the day by day i when you said that i was thinking about the idea of Like my daughter, when I see her every day, I don't notice, like physically, I don't notice her growing, whereas other people see that much more, you know, they don't see her for six months or whatever, like, whoa, you, have you know, seem like you've shot up six inches or whatever. And uh, I suppose that's the same with our relationship with God. We, we're in it day by day and we don't see the, see the difference that uh, those seeds are planted, that how they're growing that's a
1: perfect analogy Kevin yes the growth of children is a perfect analogy and I think this for us too right like um I know that spiritually sometimes I'll look at my life and think oh god you must be disgusted with me i I grow spiritually so slow and I keep making the same stupid mistakes I made you know five or ten years ago and fall back into old sins and habits that I thought weren't going to pester me anymore and have negative attitudes when I thought I had given those up and God just continues to tend the field of us. And, um, but overall, like if I look back to where I was at age 25, I have grown and I can't, you know, there are dips and there are mountaintops and there are valleys in uh, the course of a life. But overall, I think that he is, I mean, he tells us that he is bringing all these things to completion and that he is, doing this, he's going to finish the good work that he started. And I think we have to trust that.
0: All right. And I suppose using that analogy, again, the having someone else sometimes point out that might make it might be helpful. <laughs> so
1: true. That's a good word, Kevin. All
0: right. Now, sh- shifting gears, one of my favorite quotes from the book was, uh, let's have compassion for ourselves. And ask God to heal our wounds instead of trying to put band-aids over bullet holes. <laughs> I just love that metaphor of band-aids over bullet four, uh, because I think that's what so much of the world and the church, for that matter, tries to do with, uh, with life. Uh, why, why, why is it important for us to be compassionate f- for ourselves in this process?
1: So healing is definitely a growing slow kind of journey. And I think in our culture in particular, we are prone to want to rush this healing. And I I think particularly of grieving the loss of a loved one. In our culture, someone passes away and maybe three days later there's a funeral and then the whole world just kind of leaves and gets back to normal and pushes on and gets the hand of the plow and moves quite quickly along. There are some cultures that um, allow lengthy periods of grieving. And I think there's something to be learned of great value in this, because um, grief is a long-term process. And I know it's uncomfortable because grieving involves tears, it involves disappointment, it involves heartache and pain and all those things. And we kind of want to numb ourselves to that. And You know, for me, it's like being productive. Like if I can just be busy, then I don't have to deal with what hurts. But if we get busy and don't deal with what hurts, the wound stays. It just kind of heals over the top. And you have this festering wound underneath that hasn't really been dealt with. So as painful as it sounds, growing slow in healing is a great act of compassion toward ourselves And I think that we need allies in that process, friends who give us the time and space that we need to go through hard things and take the time we need to push toward a new day.
0: Hey, That's so important and where we can, we need people in our lives to be able to say that to us, uh, like you said, allies, that's really important to when you're in that healing process saying, hang on, this is going to take a while, uh, don't, because uh, everyone else in the world's pushing them forward. <laughs> uh, speaking of pushing forward, you talk about this kind of season where you uh, shifted everything, and it was kind of... Uh, Uh, You thought you were going one direction and then you ended up going another direction, and you said you're allowed to move to a new field where you will plant different seeds you're allowed to change. Uh, Now this that quote surprised me because what you're talking about is you're moving on before you see the harvest. and I was just curious. Was that a hard process for you when you you did know what the harvest was going to look like? That that could have been what could that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, that is such a good question, and I think a lot of people could really relate. So a little backstory to give it some context. Um, I was a newspaper reporter before I moved to the farm, and I was I, I had a very successful career in as a newspaper reporter, and um, the goal. Among, you know, my mentors and for my own self, um, my peers were like, Jennifer, you are you are on the trajectory to do really big things. And this is an incredible growing season for you right now. And so the harvest would have looked like sticking around to get the, you know, a Pulitzer Prize or, you know, the job at the New York Times or Washington Post or wherever, wherever it was that people thought I ought to end up. And where I once thought I would end up, now I could have stayed in that, and I feel fairly confident that some of those dreams could have come true. Um, but I left before that harvest, and I went to a new field where no seeds had been planted. I didn't even know how to plant seeds in that field because we moved back to the farm, and I'm I thought my writing is my writing career is dead. Like at the, t- at the time, there weren't blogs. Um, where they were just kind of starting up, there wasn't social media. The idea of a book—oh goodness, no—that was not on my radar. I—if somebody told me you're going to be writing books someday, I would have said you're absolutely crazy because I was used to writing news stories, um, you know, on a quick deadline, seeing them in the next day's paper, and moving on. And so I went to this new field and planted seeds, and I'm seeing a growth and a different kind of harvest that wasn't even on my radar or plan. And I think that there's a lot of people like that, like, you know, they're the pastor of a, of a church or, you know, in ministry somewhere, and they're just about ready to, to see some fruit from all that they've done, but God calls them somewhere else, or your family decides to pick up and move halfway across the U S leaving behind everything. That's familiar, um, to start something new. And it is so scary To do that, and it feels like you're going to face the criticism of people who really love you, and you very well may. We were heavily criticized for making that move. I had a lot of friends tell me you were making a big mistake. You're throwing your career away. You're throwing away your potential. You're throwing away your your education. You know, I'm I'm not I'm a journalism major. You know, now what are you gonna do? But, you know, it turns out that God took this news reporter and turned me into a good news news reporter. And that's something that only God could have done. It was not even again, it was not even on my radar. So I think my encouragement in that particular chapter was just to give people permission to explore the value of change, even if it feels scary.
0: Which is an important thing to, to push us to because uh, sometimes we're, we're comfortable with what the one trajectory and not willing to right. uh, uh, a couple more questions and then we'll get you on for, I know you got some stuff to do, uh, but uh, you talk about winter and now we, before we get too far into winter, I'm in Minnesota, you're in Iowa. And there may be a little bit of difference there. I don't know whether we, uh, we love winter a little bit less, as further we go north, but I don't know. Uh, you, you, you you challenged me on that one. So that was good. Uh, Cause I don't like winter, but uh, uh, you say, perhaps we need celebrations most in winter. Uh, how can, which is true, uh, but how can we learn to celebrate when we feel it the least?
1: Right. Sometimes that's when we need it the most. Right. And, um, I think that other seasons of the, uh, the physical seasons of a year, for those of us who have those kind of changing seasons um, spring is filled with all kinds of celebrations. There's graduations. And then, you know, you move into uh, summer and there's weddings and the 4th of July and there's Memorial day and labor day. Like there's all these opportunities to get together and take vacations and do all those things. And then comes winter and it just feels cold and dreary and boring. And I think that you know, for those of us who hop into Christmas in a in a healthy way and not overdoing it, but I think that's one reason that Christmas is so is so um, enjoyable for so many of us is because it's an opportunity to celebrate. And obviously, we're celebrating the birth of Christ. So that's what really makes it enjoyable. But it's you know, I think that we have this um, idea that you know we have to have a reason. To celebrate like there has to be something big happening but just getting together with friends and just getting together with your family to celebrate the goodness of what has happened in previous seasons of the year taking time during the colder slower seasons of winter to reflect back on the good growth that you've seen over the past year i think it's really really important and valuable I have a companion Bible study with growing slow and I spend a whole session of the six session Bible study, exploring the value of celebration and how God delights in celebration. And um, you know, the Bible is just filled with dancing and feasting and meals together around the table. And I think that there's much to learn from scripture about incorporating more celebration into our lives.
0: I I would agree. I would also say that's probably Going back to the achiever concept, uh, it's always been the, one of my biggest challenges is celebration because when I hit a goal, my tendency is uh, okay, let's move on to the next thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Even when I was pastoring, I would, we'd have some big event and you know, God would do different things. And uh, at the celebration, I'm casting vision for the next event rather than just take yes. the moment and celebrate this and let's move on. So uh, God's teaching me. <laughs>
1: it sounds so familiar Kevin I'm the same way so it's a, it's a challenge for people like you and I to do that but really critically important for us to look back and reflect on the good things that God has already done
0: and I uh, speaking of so much more uh, that the book uh, offers I I have a second page of notes that I I didn't even uh, get to but I I want people to read the book uh especially uh there's a part and i'm just gonna tell you this part that you can go about building a sandcastle so it's just a powerful mm-hmm. powerful moment and a beautiful picture for all of us so you can read that over and over again uh the book again is growing slow and you can find uh jennifer at jenniferdukeslee.com and on instagram jennifer uh again i want to encourage people to buy the book and there's a book study apparently uh Any other final ask Uh, and where can they find about the book study? You get your final, whatever you want.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's awesome, Kevin. Thank you so much. Yeah. You can find Growing Slow wherever books are sold. Amazon. um, If you go to growingslowbook.com, there is a list of retailers there. Um, But I do want to mention the Bible study. It is a great six-week study and it it includes free videos that are online. And if you are part of Right Now Media, Um, This is the first time announcing it but right now media has uh, signed a partnership agreement with me and the growing slow videos will be on that platform as well. So that is six weeks of videos that follow along the growing season and they're just beautiful. We uh, filmed them over the course of a year on the farm. And I am so proud of those videos and I, I hope that you love them.
0: Wonderful. Well, hopefully, everyone checks that out. And we'll have all the information available on the show notes. Thanks for taking the time today, Jennifer.
1: Thank you, Kevin.
0: Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you're looking for the show notes, you can find them over at ChristConnection.cc and under my name, you can click on podcast. Again, that's ChristConnection.cc and click on podcast. While you're there, why don't you put in your name and email address so that we can send you updates and let you know when the next podcast is out. Also, uh, if you are on social media, you can find us at Enjoying Prayer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Again, that's Enjoying Prayer prayer and don't forget to subscribe share and all that other stuff to let people know about the podcast because we're here to serve you and help you to grow in your relationship with jesus i take thank you for taking the time to listen today until next time god bless you